It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome, everyone, to a postseason wild card winning edition of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick alongside frozen mustache enthusiast Nick Jacobs. <laughs> who is is uh, looks quite warm despite hey, the weather. Yeah, yeah, we always gotta thaw out. I wasn't at the game. I was doing the po- I was helping with the post game show. So um I don't have to thaw out as much as other people did, but boy, that drive home um from the station to it was just as brutal because I didn't know the thermometer on my truck could read minus eleven, but there we were. There we were in that moment. I was like, I thought I thought my truck stopped at zero, but it didn't. It went minus 11. I'm like, oh, okay then. <laughs> yeah, I hit minus 11 as well. And I had the the misfortune of walking towards the wind to get to my car in the parking mm. lot at Arrowhead. Mm. Um, so I, I'm i just starting to get the feeling back in my fingers. But I, I did not, my car did not get really warm to like, you know, what I would, what I would define as even room temperature until I got home. Yeah, I know for my truck driving home because we're stationed. People that live in the area, our station's down near the plaza and driving back to the Northland. Um, it just started to feel normal at Shoto Trafficway. So after North Kansas City Hospital, for anybody that's kind of been around the area before, yeah, it uh, it didn't feel normal to then. And normally, it's normally right when I reach downtown when it's 32 degrees or 10 degrees or whatever that it feels, you know, what you call room temperature. And uh took it took a little bit longer today, but there man, I tell you what, minus eleven. I hope I don't ever see it again, but it probably will. <laughs> yeah, if this was I mean, this was clearly, obviously, by the 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 stats, the coldest yeah. game in Arrowhead history. Right. Um one of the coldest games and by all means, I mean start taking off the layers. Yeah, I mean, man. See I'm I'm still layered up. I I wore my my all juice hoodie. Outstanding to the game. And it was, the idea was this was uh, underneath my coat. So my yeah. idea was I would get to the game and hey, I, I'll take that off and I'll have my my kind of flannel shirt on and then I have a t shirt on under that. I never got. I never took off the hoodie. I mean, mm-hmm. I was. I mean, it was. It was still chilly inside. I mean, it wasn't like cold. And believe me, I have nothing but first world problems here. So. Um, the the folks who were out working the game, the photographers, uh, anybody out on the field, um, you know, I sit next to the, the NFL frequency guys. Um, that was a cold job. Everything on the field was a cold job. I don't know how the players stood it other than, you know, the heaters on the sidelines certainly help, but I don't know otherwise because not only was that cold, that wind was nasty. In case you you didn't see it, yes. Starting temperature kickoff was minus four with a twenty-seven degree below wind chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's gonna I, leave I, a mark. I don't know. I don't know how many, like you said, I don't know how many of the photogs were able to get through it. I don't know how many of the any of the NFL staff, whether it's Chiefs, Dolphins, PR staffs, anybody. I don't know how anybody got through that. And like you said, all the people working concessions and whatever else there may have been around that area. I, I don't know how anybody got through that, but tip of the captain, everybody who did, and then all the fans that were out there. I don't know how you got through it either, but props to you. And uh, like it just, it, it was, and the players on the field that weren't wearing sleeves, I I felt bad for them every time. I was like, oh, that, that's the sting. Um, but hey, you know, it, the Chiefs were able to come away with a victory, but props to every single person that was physically out in the elements of that game. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but the two biggest memories with, uh, that we're going to get from that is Mahomes' helmet cracking because of how cold it was. And then Andy Reid's mustache whenever it had just icicles all over it. Yeah. I think the I think the lasting images of both of those will be on their Hall of Fame reels. Mm-hmm. When yes. they go in, I mean, that shot of Andy Reid with the frozen mustache and yes, right. Pat, Patrick with a dent and chunk out of his helmet will absolutely be when they go into the hall. I mean, those will, those will follow him around for the next 30 years. I agree. Yeah, I thought I thought pain had just chipped off of it. 
because it has happened to other NFL teams before to where paint will chip off of something if it's that cold and everything. But no, like the longer they started showing it, the more you're like, oh no, that's a chunk of his of the shell of his helmet. That's not good. <laughs> no, not good. And and Mahomes didn't want to change helmets. I mean, he wanted to keep going because he didn't want to disrupt the game. He didn't want to stop the rhythm. And I think he was a little worried that they might make him come out of the game. I was a little surprised that the the unaffiliated neurological consultant didn't want to take a look at him. That's what I thought was <laughs> happening right then. And I was like, man, they're doing that after a couple plays in red zone. I was like, you kidding me right now? But no, they um, ended up not working out that same way. But man, you know, I I was I was very surprised there for a while. I was like, oh wow. And now players have a backup helmet, and and yeah. Mahomes had a backup helmet. Only problem was is that it wasn't kept in a warm area. Yeah. So when he got his helmet, it was frozen. Right. And so that was kind of uncomfortable. So then uh, during the next, when after they got off the field after that possession, they were yeah trying to get the helmet warmed up. Mm-hmm. But then they also were building him a third helmet. So I think it was, it looked like Alan Wright. I couldn't tell for sure because everybody had, you know, was, was covered up and, you know, it looked like Jawas on the field with, you know, how much covering they had on. So you couldn't tell who anybody was, but it looked like Alan was trying to fix up a third helmet for Mahomes because you have to have a backup to the backup. Right. So they were ready to go. And, uh, and I mean, and the and weather absolutely played an element, a huge element in this game. And, you know, one of the conversation pieces, I know that Andy Reid really even mentioned it on Wednesday, and you and I talked offline about this, was that the the cold weather is a factor, but it only becomes a factor if you kind of make it one. You can't bank on it. You have to make it one. And I th- thought the Chiefs absolutely did that in this game against the Dolphins. They made the Dolphins miserable in the cold. Yes. Yeah, no, that was... That was... Everything we, I know people said, I know some people said we were making too big deal out of the cold when we chatted about it earlier this week on one of the shows. And we didn't because <laughs> there's a reason why it literally got to minus three, minus four in that range and minus 27 windshield. And yeah, you had to early on, I was, I was loving that first Chiefs drive whenever they let Pacheco go like a battering ram at them. And Dolphins players had no interest in, in trying to, tackle him and put him to the ground. So like Pacheco doing that really set that tempo for that game for the dolphins and really took them out of that mindset to see what they were made of. And they showed that they were not the 2000 uh, Baltimore Ravens in any way, shape or form. And that's when you knew things weren't going to go well. And then some of those poor guys getting hurt immediately for the dolphins uh, defense, man, I, I can only imagine just trying to tackle Pacheco at full speed like that. No, that is not, that's not something a lot of people want to do, and you do have to have a a potential mental toughness to be able to get through that. And uh, Pacheco has that, and like that's what makes him a fun running back in that regard. May have his limitations athletically, but man, like he he's the perfect type of running back you want for that type of game. The only other guys I can think of that would be on that level in terms of that would have fun in that and delivering that type of punishment or actually three guys. I think about it would be like Marion Barber, uh, Mike Allstott, and then Derek Henry, just off the top of my head, those guys, and maybe Jerome Bettis potentially. But I mean, like those are the guys that I think would have that same level of fun that Pacheco did being able to go out there and perform like that. Yeah, there was, there was no doubt. He he was having a blast in, in the weather. And, 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 and frankly, the chase defense did too. I mean, they were, had the same mentality on their side, as far as you know, one they wanted to make the tackles. The Dolphins didn't did not didn't seem to have a whole lot of interest in, and and there was some hard hitting. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you saw what I I thought was a great example of Legereus Sneed and the Chiefs secondary just stealing out of the Bill Belichick playbook of how to play Tyreek Hill. You just smack him at the line of scrimmage, and then when he gets up, you smack him down again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that was Legereus Sneed. I mean, he he made he made the life miserable for, for not only Tyreek but Jalen Waddle tonight. Yeah, and I, I heard from some people over there that they that allegedly uh, Sneed may have reminded Tyreek to catch the ball at one point. So I don't know if that actually happened, but if that did, then you know the Chiefs were Chiefs were having fun tonight, and their their first thoughts weren't about the cold. If you're telling the best wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the league, 
that when you're in frigid temperatures like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to and and really to me, I mean, the Dolphins only had one play all night long, and their most successful play consistently all night long was simply the the Tua underthrow. Mm. And that was, I mean, and once again, I mean, even the kind of the weather influenced that a little bit. They had a couple of successes with throws that were underthrown, mm. but I think it was whether it was maybe Tua just not having the best grip because he had several balls that came out tonight that just did not look like good act. I mean like he had a good grip on the ball. Right. And I'm assuming that had to be a factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did work out for them on the Tyreek touchdown, but that's literally a play I think that only Tyreek Hill can make. Right. Uh, with his ability to track the ball. But it, 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 the weather, I think, was even a huge impact on the Dolphins' offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It um, it was like the equivalent of uh, of having either a vehicle or having your cell phone out, and the cold just sucks out that battery. That's basically what happened to the Dolphins offense is the cold, uh, the cold just sucked out the life of their battery and they didn't have, they had almost no explosiveness tonight. They, they were struggling. And, and and, I mean, if that's, you know, if the temperatures are different, that that's probably a different outcome, a different ball game and a a lot closer, but the temperatures in the playoffs and Arrowhead in that situation that it wasn't happening. So I know I got a sneaky suspicion that it really bothers Tyreek that he's now owned two against his former team. I I got a feeling that that bothers him a lot more than people realize. And I, and for the score to be what it was, even though it looks closer than, a, than it was because the Chiefs weren't as effective in the red zone. I think deep down part of Tyreek watching from the other sideline and seeing that team just perform the way that they do. I think, I think deep down part of him misses that he's not on that sideline moving on the season and that they already won a Super Bowl without him and they still were able to find a way. And I I do kind of wonder. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it was some of the things that Tyreek has said, I mean, over the past year and a half or so since the, the whole thing went down. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, actually, I guess we're almost two years now, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't think there's any doubt to me that, hey, some of the the way that Tyreek has wanted to repaint his departure from Kansas City in his time, I mean, it does seem like there's some lamenting and there's some there's probably some regret. I know he likes where he is now and he he likes being in Miami and, and obviously he's got a great relationship with Tua and his teammates down there, but yeah, that had to be that had to be hard watching the, the his his so many of his old teammates moving on without him and being successful. And like he's not the missing and he's not the missing piece. You know, like I I think I I think that bothers him and Hey, I just realized this is going to be, I'm really intrigued to watch this upcoming hard knocks on HBO this week, because it's going to have so much of the prep for that week and the game itself. I'm curious to see how the guys were when they were mic'd up for it. So that's all going to be really, really interesting how that all shakes out. Just putting a bow on the, on the weather for tonight and everything. I'm, I'm curious what you think about how the, how, how did it affect the chiefs? I mean, we talked about how the chiefs kind of thrived in it. Do you think that there were some plays and, and there were some issues in which maybe the weather did limit the chiefs and maybe it did hurt them a little bit. Yeah. On their opening drive, had the chiefs not started leaning on the run game the way that they did, it felt like a three and out was coming there for the most part and that they were going to get derailed either at midfield or something like that. But Pacheco and Rice and Kelsey were able to kind of pull them out of that situation. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think a lot of their red zone, or at least I'm talking myself into it. It may not be accurate, but I'm talking myself into the fact that I, I think the Chiefs' red zone woes a lot this week had more to do with how cold it was out there, how frigid it was. And I don't think that I, I'm hoping they'll have better success next week if they're in better temperatures if they're on the road or home then whatever ends up happening with their opponent. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really, I feel like it was a struggle on some of the cuts that some of the receivers had. And for, for Mahomes at times, the way the dolphins were bringing certain blitzes and they kept coming through that B gap between Tooney and Donovan Smith with the way they had things set up. So all that combined, I'm, I, I, there's room for improvement in the red zone. There's a lot of room for improvement. 
But from a run game, I don't know if you can ask more than the 30, 30 some carries at more than 130 yards that they had tonight. And with what Rasheed Rice did, I mean, him and Pacheco, they really helped take some of the pressure off Mahomes. An, an absolutely incredible game from Rasheed Rice uh, for a rookie to come in and have that kind of game. 130 yards, breaking the rookie franchise record for most yards in a playoff game that was originally set by Elmo Wright on Christmas Day, the 1971. Elmo <laughs> the Elmo Wright. Wow. Love the name. Yeah. Uh, against yeah. against the Miami Dolphins on Christmas Day, 1971. Wow. So... Yeah, I mean, I, the, the Chiefs, I mean, not a big deal, I mean, but me being, you know, the um, dork historian that I am would like to point out that Chiefs were 0-3 against the Dolphins in playoff history, so there were there was some exercising of some demons with this win tonight. That's one of the ones I didn't think that the Chiefs needed exercise, but mark it off Mahomes' checklist, another one <laughs> Once to add to the books. Exactly. The only Chiefs quarterback that can beat the Dolphins in the playoffs is Patrick Mahomes. You need you you need you need a trend busted. Call call fifteen. He'll get you through Colts, Dolphins. Is there anything else that we need exact revenge on that we can think of? They he could probably do that. Uh, take it to AFC Championships. Done it. Super Bowl wins. Knocks that out. I just you know you know if there's there's. Who are you gonna call? It's fifteen. That's who you're gonna call. <laughs> and if he can, if he can beat Green Bay in a Super Bowl, that would like officially right all wrongs. Yeah, it'd be like a full so, circle at that point. Just exactly all, of it. all big, of it. big circle of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm coming back to it again because I was, I was really impressed with Rasheed's performance tonight. Um, you know, especially the the way that he did it because it wasn't just all design throws to Rasheed. There were some of them in there, yeah. but there were some plays where he just made serious adjustments, and he talked about it after the game, about you know learning the offense and learning and understanding you know that the options that a receiver has, because you and I have talked about this, that mm-hmm. you know a big part of the Chiefs offense is as a receiver, is identifying zone versus man and then realizing that you have different options based on that coverage. And some receivers we see have a difficult time coming and struggling with that. I mean, they have a difficult time understanding and grasping it and maybe never really get it. But she is a rookie and going out there and being able to make those adjustments and making him Patrick friendly, as as mm-hmm. Andy has said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the, the first one that he started the party off on that zone where he just simply shuffled. He noticed and he shuffled and found a, found a spot and void for Patrick and Patrick was able to connect with him. Like that's a you're, you're like all right. There's that growth from start of the season till there. That's like he's already in that zone. And then yeah, some of the some of those catches he had, like he and even after he accidentally tripped himself, but then still was able to um, able to be able to make uh, be able to make it back on the field even though he's hobbled for a couple plays. Like and soldier through that with that cold temperatures. Like that was impressive as well. Like I mean. Just from where he was starting out in training camp to where he's at now, I there's not many players I've seen be able to make that level of growth in Andy Reid's offense that quickly. Like that's that's what fascinates me about the season. No matter what happens, it's just the level that Rice invested in himself. Because I mean, you think about it for people that don't remember, like his first day whenever they had the rookie stuff up at camp, the poor guy, you know, uh, had had some heat issues that day and like people were questioning his conditioning already and everything. And, you know, I was not one of them and you were not one of them because we knew the heat that day and that was a humid day. So like, I mean, I think people forget that the people aren't robots, you know? So I mean, like playing in this extreme cold versus that humidity that day and some of the heat they dealt with, like, yeah, just, it's just been, now that I, uh, reflecting on it, I mean, like Rice has really grown by leaps and bounds this year, and like he's shown that like he could be a really good number two and probably great number two in this system. And if you give him a one to learn from, like Rice may be able to be, you know, might be able to be a really great one someday. But if he gets mentorship in the proper way down the road here, and they invest in a veteran that can show him that rope, 
that is going to pay, no matter what you pay that veteran, that is going to pay off for years with what Rice can be in this Chiefs offense with Mahomes. So, like, that's that's actually part of what you're really, truly investing in in free agency is somebody to be that, that player that helps take Rice to that next level of what he could tap into as a receiver. Yeah, that's that's what I, I find really remarkable is just how much he's been able to develop when really, I mean, doing a lot of it just on his own. Uh, no knock against still some of the vets that the Chiefs have, but yeah. you know they don't have a Juju Smith-Schuster. They don't have that you know accomplished thousand-yard receiver that Tyreek. This isn't like you know George Karloftis being able to get mentored by a Frank Clark or no. a Chris Jones. I mean, yeah, Rashid's kind of doing it on his own, and to have the year that he's had, like you said, in an Andy Reid offense is just remarkable. And now to be playing his best football. In the postseason, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that it's—I don't think it's exaggerating to say that if the Chiefs are going to make any noise in the playoffs, it's Rasheed Rice is going to have to be a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a big part of it. And the thing that they'll need, no matter who they play next next week, that's going to be Kelsey being able to add to that mix. And if they can find another receiver who can add to that mix and better temperatures, like that, really puts this Chiefs offense in more of a potent level that I think they're after. But, man, with the way the wind was tonight and the way that cold was tonight, there was only a certain amount of stuff they were going to be able to do in the passing game to effectively get it. And they had their hiccups here and there in the run game after they started off pretty good. And so the Dolphins had some answers for them. But, yeah, no, I mean, there's – I would have loved to have seen a couple more touchdowns. But, man, there is there's so much to take away from this Chiefs performance that – you're like, okay, like they got a chance now. If they play like this, like they got a chance for to get back to that conference championship, no matter who who the heck they're playing next week. Well, and and one reason why, certainly, the the, the Chiefs will have a chance is because this defense continues to play mm-hmm. lights out. Um, you know, the Dolphins were the number two scoring offense in the league. They averaged twenty nine point two points a game this season, and in two games against the Chiefs, they scored twenty one points. Mm-hmm. You know, their three worst games of the season were scoring seven points against the Chiefs, fourteen against the Chiefs, and fourteen against Buffalo last week. Uh, I mean. The Chiefs got their number. I mean, and now maybe it is a good matchup. I mean, certainly the Chiefs had the advantage of not having to play the Dolphins in Miami. Got them in Frankfurt and got them in Kansas City in January. But I still feel like that this is just a a defense that one matches up really well against the Dolphins. Mm. But two, I mean, this this team, but specifically this defense, they enjoy going up against tough competition, and they seem to raise their game when they're going up against the better offenses. Yeah, I agree with that. I felt like the Chiefs' defense really thrived under the conditions and then under that challenge of what they were going against with the Dolphins, like you said. And so I counted it up. Um, This is the 15th time this season the Chiefs have held an opponent to 21 or less. So, like, that's insane in itself. In this era of football, for the Chiefs to have had that string throughout the season, the 15th time of doing that, and to, like you said, to hold the Dolphins to seven points, no matter what the temperature was. And all that was was an underthrown pass that, like you said, Tyreek adjusted to. Otherwise, they get shut out from the game. And if the Chiefs red zone was able to kind of punch a couple of those in, Dolphins give up even quicker than that. So, I mean, like, yeah, they, it just, the plan that Steve Spagnuolo put together and the night that George Karloftis had, the way that he was rushing the passer, because the thing about Tua is if you take a, if you bull rush Tua or you make him antsy and he gets off his spot, he is awful at resetting his feet. He is awful footwork-wise, and that's why you have those overthrows or those underthrows. And that's why Mike Edwards had the interception that he did is because Aminahu put the guard in his lap, and Tua had to adjust his feet. He had to back up, adjust his feet, and his base was just just awful, and that's why he sailed that pass. And then on top of it, having the temperature the way that it was, like that didn't help either. But, yeah, no, it – the Dolphins at one point, I thought they had something whenever they were trying to do misdirection. So they were trying to misdirect the Chiefs and then and then you know sneak in on the on the opposite side of it. And they had success for a handful of plays, but boy, Spagnolo and them, adjustment, boom, done. And then that didn't exist anymore. So it was 
yeah, I mean, that was Steve Spagnuolo had a heck of a game plan. And I am, I'm very intrigued if the Chiefs get the chance to play the Bills. And if they do find a way to play the Ravens down the road here, I'm very intrigued to see what that Chiefs defense can do against both those teams. Yeah, and there, and there was there was one look. I don't know if they got back to it, but it was it was going to be on that that first. I believe it was the first third down that the Dolphins had, and they ended up getting a penalty that pushed them back. Um, but among among the many different looks, and that was the other thing. I mean, the Chiefs had a lot of different fronts tonight. I mean, they even had a couple where they only brought two defensive linemen on a on a rush. Um, they had Karloftis dropping back, Chris Jones dropping back. I mean, they were mixing up the looks quite a bit. Oh, they had that one I wanted to see because it was it was it was Leo Chanel and my and Mike Dana lined up as the edge rushers on the outside. And I've been just waiting to unleash Leo as as an edge rusher. And I thought we were gonna get it, not just a blitzer, but as a pure edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And then penalty wiped it out. So Way to go. Way to go, Jawan Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jawan Taylor had three different drive stoppers, but you know, that's that's unfortunate that that happened. But yeah, that that, that cost them a couple times uh today. But the Chiefs overcame it at various points and were able to be able to put up the magic number, Matt. The magic number. Twenty four and above. Twenty four and above is all you need. All right, I got to 26. Ding ding ding. Ding <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner. That's right. <laughs> Uh, divisional also, dinner divisional dinner is what it is can can we also have another uh luxurious need appreciation discussion sure sure let's because two two tar two well i think had five targets gave up two catches for 20 yards mm-hmm. uh mostly on jalen waddle i mean the chiefs did play a lot of zone tonight so it wasn't completely just him traveling with waddle i mean he he's he matched up against Tyreek and some of the other receivers too, mm-hmm. although his uh, planting Tyreek into the ground on that that one sequence, and then when Tyreek got up, he put him back down again. Mm-hmm. Um, that one got lit up his teammates. <laughs> that was a, that was a big exchange, and I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Legereus Need tried to get in, in Tyreek's head tonight, and I think he won that battle. Yeah, Tyreek, you tell man on the on the final couple of drives for the Dolphins there in the fourth quarter, like that team is they're like, are we done yet? Is this done? Is this over? And Tyreek, he just yeah, he looked like a, a just a, a physically just just worn out man. That yeah, he had, he had had enough too, and he was ready to ready to be done with it and you know start that off season. I, I just I haven't seen a team have their soul taken in the way that the Dolphins did there and in the second half of that football game. Like they were, they, they were, you know, I was like, okay, if Tyree gets another touchdown here or does something explosive, he may keep his team hanging around and everything, you know, maybe they run into something luck wise, but I was like, it's going to be up to Tyreek to be able to be that fire starter. Cause it, I mean, you know, Devin, Devin a chain, like I, he didn't even exist tonight. Like I thought he's going to exist like Aaron Jones did against the Packers a couple of years ago with a potential mismatch. And boy, he wasn't even, he wasn't even in that ballpark. And I'm going to look up his stats real quick. And damn, he had six carries, six carries for, nine for nine yards. yards. Yeah. Oh, one wow. and a half yards a carry. Wow. And then Mostert only had eight for 33. Like, goodness yeah. gracious. Like for that. as much success as the Dolphins have had running the football this year. And even the last couple of weeks, I mean, HN had looked re- pretty good in the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. You know, it looked like to me that he was past that injury. But tonight, whether that was the injury popping back up again or not feeling it, I mean, Moser did get the start, which I thought was kind of curious. But uh, there, no, that was an absolute shutdown of the Dolphins' run game. Yeah, and something else, Matt. Um, it's one of those rare times where we can bring up the snap counts because we're taping this thing so late. For people that don't know. <laughs> It's currently 3.20 in the morning on Sunday while Matt and I are taping this. So just know how dedicated we are to you. And there's uh, only two games. So, you know, they were able to get the snap counts up faster than usual. Usually we have to wait until like 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know what, Matt? You're right. You've only got so you've only got a couple games. But, yeah, is there anything that stuck out to you in the snap count? I am pulling it up now. Okay. Um, and, and one thing we probably should discuss uh, yeah. is that there was a surprise inactive amongst uh, yeah. with a healthy scratch with Ana, uh, Felix Anaduke Ozama. Yeah. 
Uh, curious about your thoughts about that one. I mean, I, I kind of, I think there's, I have a reason for it, but I'm curious about what your thoughts are too. Um, for me, I think, well, to put it bluntly, I think he's still working his way through how to be a run defender. And if you've got to decide in cold weather be- between Malik Herring, who's kind of established himself and had a pretty good performance the week before against the chargers, if you're going to use him or even, you know, Mike Pinnell, who you really needed in the run game, then like, you know, that's the decision you make. And then obviously with the, with the uh, player that the chiefs recently signed, um, like he's still not there yet for them to be able to try to utilize him. So, I mean, for the chiefs, I get it, you know, cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see bugs down the road next year. I'm curious to, you know, as a potential one tech forum, what he could potentially be and the promise he has, but I know it's going to take a little bit of time before he can integrate in. And I think he's also kind of that option. If Pinnell runs out of, you know, opportunities on the practice squad to where they get to figure out a roster decision, maybe bugs is that guy who can kind of help in that one tech spot. And with Derek Naughty having the elbow to elbow injury, you know, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with that one tech spot. But I mean, Bugs put some tape together in his time in Pittsburgh and Detroit where like he fits what they want in a one tech and he could, he could help in that run defense as well. So, you know, I, I, with Felix, I, I personally think it came down to like, he's still working his way as a run defender. What about you, Matt? Yeah. I, I mean, cause you're basically, you're right. I mean, it was a choice of having Malik Herring up instead of Andy DK Uzama. The, the one other benefit with Herring is that he does have some versatility. So if they needed to kick him inside, he can do that. Uh, also thought it was interesting that they, they mixed up the third down package a little bit too. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, uh, Felix would normally be, would be a part of that third down package. Mm-hmm. And it looked to me like this, the way that they structured that this week to go against the dolphins, um, he probably just wouldn't have factored in that as much. They, I think they wanted some different personnel out there. I think they would have wanted a little bit different speed. Um, it's clear that I think that on third downs, they were anticipating that they were still going to do exactly what you talked about. They wanted to use some power. They wanted to be able to disrupt, you know, to his timing, whether that means just, you know, getting into his lap that way. And that's not Felix's game. So, yeah, it, it did seem like Herring was probably the better fit. Didn't play a ton of snaps, only played six snaps. Derek Naughty played seven with the elbow injury. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, the one thing that does kind of really jump out at me, Charles Aminahue mm-hmm. played 80% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. 49. I mean, he's not even technically usually a starter. I mean, you know, Mike Dana is, and, and George Karloftis are the starters technically. Yeah. But Aminahue played more snaps than both of them. Yeah, and they worked him inside on a handful of plays at, at a three-tech spot from time to time. So I'm not surprised to see that. They were able to give him a lot of different looks. So, yeah, for a minute here to get 49 and 61, like, that doesn't stun me. But it is funny. The guys who got the guys who got 97% of the snaps or better would be Bolton at 59, McDuffie, Mike Edwards, Sneed, and Reed at 61. So they were in for every defensive play. So that's that's actually that's pretty intriguing. And then you know you got Carl Loftus there at forty five, um, and then like you know Jamari Connor to get thirty seven, get more than half the snaps on defense. That's actually really impressive. So yeah, from a defensive perspective, like still bummed to see Tranquil only got seventeen. That irritates me, um, but nothing I can do about it. And then well, but Willie Gay got twenty three, so. And Chanel barely got 11. Um, yeah, yeah. I, really, really, the Chiefs did not use their linebackers a lot today. No, but I understand because, I mean, outside of Tranquil, like, that was going to be a mismatch. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that they limited that's actually pretty pretty smart. And then, but, man, for the offense to have 79 plays out in that cold, holy heck. Yeah, the uh, the offense was running 79 snaps. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, I, I'm starting to understand now why Trey Smith, you know, half an hour after the game told me he still couldn't feel his fingers. I believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, offensively, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit shorter bench, I yeah. mean, to me a little bit. I mean, uh, especially when you start looking at receiver. Rasheed Rice, 77% of the snaps, 61 total. Um just uh, Justin Watson was at 68. Then all of a sudden you drop down to the Marquez Valdez Scantling at 41%. Noah Gray played more than Marquez did. 
And then you get down. Richie James played 20%. McCall Hardman, 34%. Um, I mean, it was a lot of, a, a decent amount of, you know, 12 and even some 13 personnel. Blake Bell, 20 snaps. Um, 25% of the snaps. That's a little bit more than Blake usually gets. So it was mm-hmm. definitely, a and and certainly late game situations, running the football played it a little bit of factor and influenced those numbers a little bit. Um, but no doubt, I mean, the Chiefs want to get on the field, Rasheed Rice. They want to get him out there with Justin Watson. Probably a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends. Not as much for Marquez. Which I know I'm sure a lot of a lot of people are glad to see, but I'm just I'm still surprised that that he just had 41% of the snaps tonight. Yeah, and for Hartman to have 27 snaps and to kind of have the like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about Hartman. Like Look, he had the speed, and like Mahomes put it in good spots for him for the most part, in my opinion. Um, but like, dude, there were times where he didn't make an effort to try to catch it. Like he didn't even extend his arms out to at least try to make an effort to catch it. He either threw his hands up in the air and and you know upset about penalty or getting held or whatever. He's still gonna make an effort to try to catch it. So they're just not gonna give you the penalty. Just because of that, at least go try to make an effort to catch it. Like, don't have alligator arms. Like, just come on, man. So, like that, that one really. There was three throws that that happened. That I'm like, dude, come on, man. They brought you back. They traded for you for this for this moment. You got a chance to really kind of put yourself back on the map for the postseason, and you just showed effort that just wasn't there. The one that uh, was over the middle of the field when he did get held and and should have gotten a flag. I'm with you. I mean, had he continued to go after the ball, he probably gets the gets the penalty. But I right. think by giving up on the play a little bit, he probably made the official think, well, that wasn't catchable. So no, we're not going to throw the flag. Right. And and I think clearly the one that down the sideline, which was in the same area that Tyreek made the catch, it certainly looked like he probably lost the ball at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and we know. I mean, you we've we've heard Tyreek say it, and the numbers back it up. Hey, I get it. Catching the ball at Arrowhead at night is tough. The the numbers actually do back it up that that is hard to do. Um, but yeah, that was three plays that could have been made. Yeah, and, and and like the other part of it is that some of the guys I don't think realize sometimes is when you just throw your hands up in the air and you kind of stop on your route, you're kind of showing up the ref. And like sometimes they're not going to give in. So like you got to keep running through as if it's not bothering you or affecting you. And the ref may kind of lean more towards your side. He's like, hey, you still played through it. There, there's the flag. And I, I'm going to nitpick this right now. This one bugged me a little bit early on in the game when Rice converted that first down on third – you know, the third down where he stretched his arm out and that one was converted. Part of what I was upset about on that one, and this is just for something down the road because this may happen in a bigger moment. Like, even even if it's not, a you know, because I saw it live and I'm like, man, I would throw that challenge flag. And anyways, the Chiefs were kind of disoriented anyways. So, like, if you, if you burn the timeout, you burn the timeout. But you get everybody gets over, you get to reset, go through a couple plays if you need to. But for them to line up, then take the time out, and then, you know, throw the challenge back for a review, say the officials, like, don't reverse it. You've lost, what, two timeouts on one play. Like, that's, yeah. I don't know, for me, that one, that one, I'm like, I'm like, man, like, some of you guys are getting paid up in the booth to, like, see that. And, like, you've got to let him know, hey, throw it. It may not work out right now, but throw it, let the team regroup. I mean, I I thought live. I thought he had the first down when he stretched out for it. Yeah, so, I mean, you just, could just see it on naked TV. eye. I mean, it, it seemed to me. I mean, right. so I was, I was all ready to say throw the flag, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the officials. Uh, it was also a rough night. There were some interesting calls. Um, not not gonna lie. I mean, I'm still confused on the one where, um, the the ball went backwards. And uh, the officials ruled that it was a forward pass that hit the helmet of a player and then went backwards. That player was an offensive lineman, so I'm not quite sure why it wasn't illegal touching if it was a forward pass. Right. But, you know, Chiefs won, so who cares, right? We'll move on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you get to move on from some of those things when you get that W. 
you know, we're not going to know who the Chiefs play in the divisional weekend until Monday evening once the, mm-hmm. the Chiefs or once the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills finally get to play their game. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what kind of weather that's played in since it sounds like there still might be some snow sticking around and it's certainly going to be cold and blustery in Buffalo. Um, but uh, any thoughts about anything about the uh, Steelers and, and Buffalo about how you think that my game might play out? I'm curious temperature wise how things are going to go. I mean, if they had TJ Watt, I'd have a little, little bit more confidence about it. But Mason Rudolph going in an environment like that and potential weather like that, I'm. It's really going to be on Pittsburgh's defense to have a really sound football game. It's going to be on Pittsburgh's O line to open up the holes to let them be able to kind of really pound the run against the against the Bills and Pickens and. Um, Johnson are really going to have to kind of bail Mason Rudolph out a couple of times. So, I mean, the pieces are there on the Steelers roster to get it to that point. But like you take a look at the Texans Browns. I did not anticipate the Browns laying the egg that they did today against the Texans getting picked off multiple times and Flacco having the struggle he did. I thought they'd have a much better showing, but they didn't. So like, you know, you never know. It's going to be up to, if you take away uh if you take away James Cook and a lot of Josh Allen's run game and you force him you have some long sustaining drives and force him to really have to take some shots and take some chances and play hero ball he'll give you some turnovers it's it's just a matter of can you get him to that point and really kind of make stuff rough with him by eliminating Cook and digs from the options he can get the ball to. And if you do that, like, I mean, the Steelers could go in there and upset him, but it's it takes a specific style and game plan that I think to make that happen. So, I mean, you know, we'll see if the Chiefs get the Texans because the Steelers had an upset or if the Chiefs get to go to Buffalo. But I'm, I'm going to be intrigued either way because I'm really excited to see how the Chiefs do against both the Texans – and if they have to go on the road to play Buffalo in the playoffs, and it kind of flips the script from what Buffalo's had to do coming to Kansas City. And, you know, and obviously, I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs could host a divisional round game. If the Steelers pull the upset, then the Chiefs would host Houston in the divisional round. Uh, I would not mind seeing that at some point because uh, – Houston's offense is playing really well right now. Obviously, C.J. Stroud looks really good. But I tell you what, I, I watching that game today from the press box against Cleveland, I just could not help but thinking, I think this Chiefs defense would match up really well against the Texans. Yes, because the Texans run the same play over and over again, just from different formations. Yes. That, that's where Stroud's yeah. at. So, yeah, the Chiefs defense would set a tempo just like they did against the Dolphins, and they would take away a lot of what Stroud wants to do. And they would take away the Chiefs would be defensively would be very locked in. And I don't think the Texans would have a good day offensively. So the and the question would then be, you know, whomever goes to Baltimore, if it's the Steelers, if it's Houston, if they can pull the upset and the Chiefs can win divisional round, AFC championship game at Arrowhead is still not out of the question. It would just be it would just be so fascinating. If the Steelers pulled the upset and Mahomes still not going on the road for the playoffs yet, it would be amazing. That would be insane. It would be absolutely insane. I mean, no, there's no doubt. I mean, I think that one of the marquee games of the playoffs would absolutely be Mahomes and Josh Allen in, in Orchard Park. I mean, that would be an incredible game. Yeah. Uh, I still think the Chiefs would have a chance to win that one. And obviously, I mean, even then, an AFC championship game could still come to Arrowhead if, if Houston or were to upset the Ravens in that scenario. Uh, a lot can still happen, Nick, so we'll 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 see, but uh this was a this was a a very encouraging win for the Chiefs as far as their postseason p- potential goes to me. Yeah, still there's still a lot of things that are fixable on offense, but there's still a ton of promise. Just like that Bengals game. It it mirrored so much of that Bengals game. So I mean, there's yeah, I, I remember because I think you were there when I asked Matt Nagy. Um, one, like short yardage and red zone. And I brought that up for a reason because I knew it was going to probably be like this and it was either going to be really good or it was going to leave a lot on the table. And I know he 
talked about that, and the Chiefs had struggles with both of those in this game. So I didn't ask that by accident. Um, but then whenever I told him kind of what what he wanted to see from an offense or what he wanted, and he talked about wanting them to play fast and play clean. They played the fast part, but the clean still wasn't there. Still not there. Um, and we and and, and I, while we don't know the Chiefs' opponent, we may not even know the Chiefs' kickoff time in, until Monday. We'll see. I mean, maybe the, the NFL will come out with their schedule. Uh, and it could even be a contingent schedule. That's the the current you know speculation and conjecture because there are obviously two games on Monday, both the AFC and the NFC. So it might have to be an either or kind of a situation, but. Uh, I know the at least the, the the speculation is that because of the postponement that the the league would not have the Bills play on Saturday, which would certainly be a, a detriment to them. But regardless, I mean, whom uh, if, especially if the Chiefs play in Buffalo, I mean, it, it, whomever plays Buffalo is going to have two days of extra rest on them. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a challenge for the Bills. Yes, I think that that really hinders them. So that's that's where I kind of I'm like okay, Chiefs get two extra days to ahead of them. I mean that's not that's not terrible. So if the if the Chiefs are playing the Bills, I think you can probably bet on that game being on Sunday. Yeah. If if the if it's not the Bills, probably a decent chance the Chiefs could play on Saturday. But I mean mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens uh, because obviously if Pittsburgh wins, then they would probably get the Sunday game as well. Just because you know the the league's not wanting to punish those teams, and uh, same thing, and you know the Monday night game in the NFC, that that game will probably also be on Sunday as well. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is kind of uncharted territory, you know. Mm-hmm. Getting, getting playoff games postponed till Monday right. is not normal. No. And I can tell you, there were a couple of you know side comments and everything in in the Chiefs locker room after the game about hmm that game got postponed and pushed back, but Chiefs playing in minus four degree weather didn't get pushed back. I have a theory on that. I don't know if I want to make it public right now, but I'm I'm just saying people. I'll, I'll I'll phrase it this way, Le- legality wise, getting people to get to the stadium. I think there's still a window left open. While if you have a ticket or parking pass, I imagine there's some fine print there somewhere that helps helps them escape some legalities. The, but I don't know that to be fact. I'm just saying, like, if I'm thinking. In my uh, suits TV show mindset, <laughs> there's always there's always a there's always a fine print. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's any doubt. I mean that you know one of their obviously concerns, the biggest bigger concern in Balt uh, Buffalo rather was you know the safety of the people actually getting to the stadium on Sunday versus Monday. Whereas in you know Kansas City, I mean it was really just dealing with the cold, and I mean I think it's going to be just as cold tomorrow as it is today right. on Saturday. So yes. uh, probably not a big difference, even if you played Sunday afternoon. So if you mm-hmm. took the if you took the, the the Buffalo time slot, I don't think it'd be a whole lot different. But yeah. uh, a, a big Chiefs win, mm-hmm. a very promising performance by the Chiefs. We will get to see Kansas City back in action during the divisional round. Uh, any parting thoughts or final observations on this one, Nick? Yeah, Matt, it's my T-shirt. I wore it today specifically. It says I just, I, ho- I just hope both teams have fun, and I hope did, the, I hope the Dolphins did. <laughs> I don't think the Dolphins had that much fun. I'm not gonna lie. Well, hopefully they got to have some Kansas City barbecue while they're here. <laughs> They do deserve that. I, I do hope that they got some of that last night. Yeah, or or on their or on their flight home. Either way, I either way, did. it would at least make the trip to Kansas City worth it. Yes. So yes. yeah, that, that's that's my that's my final thought until we know who the heck the Chiefs are going to play. But it is it is interesting. I will say this. Uh, actually, this is my final thought now. I am kind of curious, like how how numbers will do for the Bills game on a Monday at three thirty. I am intrigued by that because I mean it technically is you know Martin Luther King Day, so I mean it's going to be holiday for a lot of people. So yeah. I I do I do kind of wonder. I'm like, okay, does this become the new? Does that become the next trend? If the numbers do well, is it a double header three days in a row thing? 
Yeah. Because, of course, remember, I mean, the the divisional round games on Saturday were never primetime games until that Chiefs-Steelers game. The weather told, forced, well, encouraged them to push it back until prime time. And, of course, the numbers did so great that they're like, hey, let's do this every year. I just hope both teams had fun. <laughs> I bet that I'm I'm I know Peacock had fun. So it was a good broadcast. So I will give I give my props to them. Yeah, I mean it's let's be honest, it's the NBC crew. So I mean you know exactly. They were gonna do a good job with it. I just I'm curious how many of those guys from the crew are having to go to the Detroit Rams game the following day. What that travel would yeah, be like. Yeah, exactly. That that could be a tough weekend for some people. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> so, I said, Matt, I just hope both teams had fun. <laughs> there you go. Well, we will be back with you later this week. I'll be back with you on the Chiefs Digest YouTube page on Tuesday night for our weekly q and I don't know if I can talk Nick into joining me on his uh, on his day off like he usually sometimes does, but... You act like I don't show up every Tuesday for you. You do show up every Tuesday. I'm very grateful for that. But I I, I also Friday it's a day off. Gets, Fridays is where it gets sticky because we got the 30 minute road to Vegas show. And and my Friday was was sticky the other day, so I didn't even get to do Friday show. So Oh, I didn't know you didn't uh, get to do it. Well, that's a bummer. I know. So we'll try and make it up to everybody this week. Maybe I can squeeze yeah. in an extra show this week and we mm-hmm. might even have to do something on Monday. Maybe I'm, I'm, after. I'm dude, I am wide open on Monday. <laughs> well, you might you might see bonus coverage uh on Chiefs Digest YouTube page on Monday. You'll certainly get the QA on Tuesday for sure. And and wherever the Chiefs play next weekend into divisional round of course you can come back here for 41 is the bike that's right there's another week of it and we're still doing it in the off season but there's another week where we're talking about actual things happening that week yeah we uh, i mean nick and i don't want the off season to begin soon but we're ready for it yeah <laughs> we've um, already got ideas <laughs> i know we've already got ideas and then i've i've got drafts uh draft prospects i'm ready to start watching here within the next week after everything's finally uh, all tightened up with uh, declarations and everything, but we're gonna we're gonna ride out this chief season as long as we can. Yeah, at least another week. We'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us once again. We will be back with you next week. And like I said, feel free to ch- uh, come over and join us on the Chiefs Digest YouTube page and catch us up during the week as we check in with you with the Chiefs from Arrowhead. I bid you adieu. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to 41 is the Mike, presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.